That is what shows forth the praises of the Lord. I hope you notice those words in this verse 9. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word that means for that purpose. And that's the reason why God has saved us, redeemed us, made us to be priests unto God, that we will declare, publish, show forth, make manifest, make known. All that it means to be a son of Adam, a neighbor is a farmer, a landowner and businessman who does so well to establish himself and provide the very best for his family. Then, through his awful folly, he begins to gamble. His first win is the bait to gamble more. He sees others make a few wins, so he is tempted to up the stakes and lay it all on the table. Then the chips go against him, and the dice determines his ruin. This once good man, through his folly, is plunged into ruin. In a single night, to become the night of horrors, he loses his farm, his business, and his home. He is thrown out into the street. He is ruined and will never again regain his former fortunes. He is a loser, but so is his dear wife and children. Through the folly of their father, each one is plunged into debt and ruin. Who would want to be a son? Of such a father renowned for his own ruin. To our ruin, Adam is our father. Formerly made in the image of God, endowed with holiness and righteousness, our first father, Adam, fell from his first estate. Through one sin, eating the forbidden fruit, he broke the covenant of life and was sentenced to death. He was cast out of God's presence and driven away from the Garden of Eden. Neither could he return, for God set flaming angels to guard the way back to the garden. Adam was doomed. The tragedy of that is, he was the father of the whole human race. He was our federal head, and represented every man and woman to be born. So we are all born into this estate of sin, of guilt and debt. Paul's theology on this state in Romans 5.12 Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. It is in this hopeless state of spiritual bankruptcy that we all need a Savior. We need to be redeemed or brought out of sin's ruin and reconciled to God by a mighty, wealthy Redeemer. Now, the gospel message is that the Lord Jesus is that Redeemer. He is the one who has stepped in as our second Adam. And that is how the New Testament relates the work of the Lord Jesus to the awful condemnation we have through Adam the first. Let's hear Romans 5.18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one 
shall many be made righteous. And he goes on in the next verses, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the good news of the gospel. Our mighty rich Redeemer comes along and buys us out of our debt and gives us all that we have lost through the fall of our first father, Adam. We are now forgiven, restored, given new riches in Christ, and are made right with God through the gospel. What a wonderful hope is ours in Christ, cleansing from our sin and reconciliation to God. Christians are restored to their first estate, and one day in heaven will live with God for all eternity, as Adam may have done before his fall into sin. O sinner, run to the grace of the Lord today and be saved from all the effects of sin through Adam. Though he is your earthly human father, you can be made a son of God and an heir of Jesus Christ with all the blessings of being a member of the family of God. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us here in the program today as we let the Bible speak. Please just bow with me a moment as we pray over this. That the Lord may show you the way back to God from the dark paths of sin. You need the redeeming work of Christ because Adam is your father. Father in heaven, we come to thee in Jesus' name today. and We do thank thee for the gospel that saves men from the depths of sin, that Adam the first which ruined us, is now replaced by Adam, the last, the Lord Jesus, who has redeemed us by his own precious blood. And we pray today that you will shine the light of the gospel into hearts, into the lives of men and women, that they may see clearly the wonder of it all, that Jesus took our place, became our Redeemer, and died for us. We pray for your blessing upon your people today that you will encourage, bless through the ministry of your word. We ask it all through the name of our Lord Jesus and for his sake. Amen. Now we move to our message, Out of the Darkness. Turn in your Bible, please, to 1 Peter chapter 2. Right, tonight we're coming again to 1 Peter 2, and we're coming to verse 9. We have looked into somewhat of this, where Peter says, Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want us tonight to examine the marvelous light that is referred to here by Peter. I'm sure by now that you have uh, heard of Watson. That's IBM's supercomputer who won the Jeopardy game. And for a number of years, they were feeding all kinds of information into this supercomputer to fill it with all the knowledge they possibly could, and then to soup it up so that it could retrieve that information uh, in, a, in a split second and beat the other contestants to the answer to the question. What a feat. 
What a testimony to IBM's technicians and computer scientists. What a, a, a marvel of ingenuity and of modern science. But there are certain questions that if you put to Watson, it would be confused. For example, a marriage proposal. How would it answer? It would not be able to handle emotional questions because a computer doesn't have emotions. And uh, there are so many other things that it would not be able to figure out, whether the questioner is male or female. And then, of course, a computer cannot procreate, cannot have baby computers. In fact, it cannot even repair itself. And so if some of the code goes wrong, you need someone to come in and repair that code, and so on. But these are marvels of what man can devise in their own limitations. Now, the human body, the human mind, is a marvel of God's wonderful creation. And to show forth God's mighty power and, of course, his great wisdom. And the creation declares the handiwork, the, the, the wisdom, the power of God. And uh, the creation declares God's mighty, great glory. Man is the very epitome and, and ultimate example of God's creating power. But redeemed man, bought, made to be now a worshiper of God, that is what shows forth the praises of the Lord. I hope you notice those words in this verse 9. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The word that means for that purpose. And that's the reason why God has saved us, redeemed us, made us to be priests unto God, that we will declare, publish, show forth, make manifest, make known the praises. Now, the word praises refers to God's excellency. It's not just the sound of music or the sound of our voices in the spirit of praise, but by uh, this redemption, this new life in Christ Jesus, that we will proclaim far and wide the excellencies, the perfections, and the glory of the Lord. Now, it's not merely done by our publications, by literature. Uh, if that was the case, the JWs would beat us hands down. The Watchtower magazine that is published circulates each edition over 42 million copies worldwide per issue. An amazing mountain of paper to publish their version of religion. Now, Peter, when he shows us here how this is done, it's not by paper. It's not by anything else but living bodies, your body and mine, your life and my life, redeemed, saved, kept by the power of God, that we should show forth 
the grace, the glory of the Lord in our lives. Now, if you take verse 9, that we, this is the whole purpose of redemption, the whole purpose of our salvation, that we should be the people who will show forth his praises, you will note following verse 9, six things that Peter lays out in this passage, how we will declare and make known the praises of the Lord. Now, I want to list them tonight, but I'm only going to look at the first one tonight. What you're going to get here tonight may be the sermon plan for the next five, six weeks. And the first one, you'll notice in verse 9, that we will show forth the praises of the Lord by enjoying the light, enjoying the light of new life in Christ. That's verse 9, this marvelous light. And that's going to be our sermon tonight. But the second thing you'll notice, verse 9, uh, verse 10, is enjoying the liberty of God's pardoning grace, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. The third way in which we show forth the excellencies of God is in verse 11, declaring war on fleshly lusts. That's the new life of the Christian, denying all sin and temptation and declaring war on fleshly lusts. Then in verse 12, we show forth God's praises by exhibiting gospel works, having your conversation. Conversation there means your lifestyle. Honest among the Gentiles, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may buy your good works. These are the good works of the born-again Christian by which we show forth God's praises. And then verse 13 we show forth God's praises by submitting to those in authority, by surrendering, submitting to those that are in authority over us. And then verse 19, that we suffer as a Christian, for this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. And so these are the ways by which we declare, show forth, the excellencies of the Lord our God, that He is worthy, worthy of a new life, worthy of denying ourselves of this world, and worthy of living in His perfect will. Now, the first one is back in verse 9. We're going to look at this one, this, this uh, marvelous light to which we are called. And the first thing we have to do if we're going to show forth the praises of the Lord is to enjoy the light, the light of the gospel that has shone into our hearts and into our souls. Now, please understand, this light means the inner illuminating gospel light. We're not talking about electrical light by which we can see in the dark when it's evening time. We're talking about this gospel light that has shone into our hearts. Now, it is described here as marvelous light. And it's marvelous because it brings you and me into the knowledge of God. That's the first thing about this marvelous light. It brings us into 
the knowledge of God. Now, you'll notice the reference here to the darkness. That's the pre-conversion state of a Christian. That's the past. And that was you and me one time before our conversion. We were in the darkness. We had no idea of God. If someone had walked up to us who says, Who is your God? We would have stuttered and stammered, and we couldn't answer it because we were strangers unto God. In fact, the Bible tells us that man, the natural man, has no thought of God. It doesn't even enter into the mind of the unconverted natural man who God is. And of course, people will talk about, you know, the, the great spirit, but they certainly haven't thought that through. Or mother nature, what nature gives us. Well, who is this? How do you define such a thing? To them, God is really undefinable. And again, Paul met with that when he went to Athens and they had this statue to the unknown God. They just admitted they could not define God. And Paul said in Ephesians 4, if you would turn to that with me, you'll, you'll see these words of Paul. I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Vanity of their mind. Now that's really the state of an unconverted person. Your neighbor and my neighbor, people on our street, people that we meet with every day, that's the state of their mind. When it comes to the knowledge of God, they live in vanity. They have no idea, no comprehension. They have no grounding in who God is. Verse 18, having the understanding darkened. There's the darkness. Being alienated from the life of God through ignorance. And I think we have to confess there was a time in our lives when, when it comes to knowledge of God, we're absolutely ignorant. We had no grasp, no understanding at all. Now, that's true of the man that has no Bible. The Gentile, he had no Bible. Some of them were Greek philosophers, and even they comprehend, uh, concluded that they, he's unknown. You can't know. You cannot define the true God. But it's also true of the man with his Bible. Our Lord met the Judaizers. He met the Pharisees, and he had to discourse with them and tell them that they, too, were totally ignorant of God. Now, if you turn to, with me to Matthew 15 and verse 1, you will see the Lord uh, entering into this discussion with Pharisees. And he says, verse 2, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, It is a gift. By whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or mother, he shall be free. Thus ye have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition, ye hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Now, these are people who had the, the Old Testament Scriptures, and they ought to have known the true God. But 
They were blind, even with a Bible in hand. And we learn here that salvation has to be the illuminating work of the Spirit of God. You can give to someone a Bible, and you can say, here is all the truth that you need to know to be a Christian and walk in the light. And that person, remaining unconverted, without the new birth, is still in spiritual darkness. In John 1, there's, there's a very good description of this in John chapter 1 and verse 11, where the Lord Jesus said that he came unto his own, but his own received him not. And then, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now, verse 13, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And here, of course, we see that salvation is so sovereign, and it is the illuminating work of the Spirit of God. And men who were in darkness, they are given faith, they are able to receive the gospel, and to receive the Lord, and come entering into the light. And my friend, it's marvelous light. It's marvelous light when you contrast it with the awful darkness that we were in. The darkness of vanity of the mind. The darkness, some of us had no Bible, some of us had a Bible, but we were still spiritually blind, unable to ever discover, to find the knowledge of the Lord. And so regeneration of which Peter deals with in chapter 1. Regeneration is a, as a mighty, radical, wonderful work of God's grace, opening the mind, shining the light, and giving understanding. That is grace. You remember the two men in the road to a mess? How instantly the Lord opened their hearts and they understood the Scriptures. That happened to you and me as Christians. This is marvelous light. I came to think about the hymn that Mary Mook, Mrs. Mook, uh, our minister and Phoenix wife, uh, sang many, many years ago. I don't think she sings it now, but uh, this came to mind, and I dug it up, and I came to this hymn that sings, I've come from the darkness to the light of the Lord. I've come from the night to the day. He has guided my footsteps in the truth of his word by his love. He has shown me his way. I've come from the darkness to the light, to the light of redemption from sin. Oh, my soul, and I hope I got this word right. I had to listen to it about a dozen times, and I hope this word is right. Oh, my soul is renewed in his might, for my Savior dwells within. And if you're born again and the Lord Jesus dwells in your heart, you're no longer a child of darkness. You have come into this marvelous light, marvelous light, because the Lord Jesus lives and shines into your very soul. And thus the Christian is called to be a child of light. And you cannot show forth the praises of him unless you're enjoying this light. Oh, if you're going around a muttering Christian in despair and darkness and, and doubts and fears and concerns, how can you show forth the praises of such a great God who has given you the wonderful light of the gospel? So don't doubt it. Don't deny it. and Don't be ashamed of it. Enjoy the light.
that the Lord has brought into your heart. Now, it's marvelous because we enjoy the light of freedom from the darkness of Satan and superstition. I really want you to think about this. No gospel preacher could explain spiritual darkness without facing the reality of Satan's work in the heart and mind of men. For surely Peter here is talking about spiritual darkness, and Satan is the author of that darkness. Satan, of course, is the destroyer of men's souls. His work is to keep men from the light. You read in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11, lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine in unto them. The devil is fearful of men and women coming to this wonderful light. And of course, every child of Adam is born into this world a child of the devil in the darkness, in the realm of spiritual darkness. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Gallagher, and I'm holding in my hand this book, Profiting from the Word, by Arthur W. Pink. I want to read a little extract here for you. An individual is profited from the Scriptures when they reveal to him his need of Christ. Man in his natural estate deems himself self-sufficient. True, he has a dim perception that all is not quite right between himself and God. Yet has he no difficulty in persuading himself that he is able to do that which will propitiate him. That lies at the foundation of all man's religion. Begun by Cain in those way, the multitude still walk. Tell the devout religionist that they that are in the flesh cannot please God, and he is at once offended. Press upon him the fact that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and his hypocritical urbanity at once gives place to anger. So it was when Christ was on earth. The most religious people of all the Jews had no sense that they were lost and in dire need of an almighty Savior. Today, may the Lord bless, stir your own heart, and encourage you to seek the Lord Jesus as your Redeemer and Savior. This book, Profiting from the Word, is available through Let the Bible Speak if you request it. Right now, we're going to our announcements. You'll get the address of our church, our mailing address for our radio ministry, phone number, and website. I trust you'll take down these details. Again, thank you for listening to our broadcast here today. If you'd like to hear this program again, or if you would like information about our programming schedules across Canada on various stations, and if you would like the information on how to donate and support this ministry, go to our website, L tbs.ca. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you as again we let the Bible speak. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at Cloverdale, 
fpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.